You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 10th, episode 3221. Good morning, horse people. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Yes, welcome everybody and thank you for joining us this week. We appreciate you being here. We have a good show lined up for you today. We have Dr. Pamela Reband who's going to join us. She's the author of Three Steps to Mediocrity. No, no, no. The title is Three Steps Up to Mediocrity. Oh, that's right. Okay, up to Mediocrity. You know, I read Three Steps to Mediocrity and thought that's my life right there. I've, <laughs> a thousand three steps, steps up. <laughs> a thousand steps to mediocrity. That's been my life. <laughs> She's going to st- share her story of overcoming a paralyzing fear, which I think describes most of us, to be honest, in one point or another. Uh, plus, we have a new segment starting today called the Adoptable Horse of the Week where we're going to bring different adoption agencies from around the country on to talk about specific horses. You know, Jamie has adopted so many horses out, but she's in Oklahoma. It kind of limits the territory. So oh, whatever. <laughs> there is no limit. I have shipped horses to California, Florida, and Rhode Island, for crying out well, loud. We're, so we're hoping to also adopt out something other than thoroughbreds. At, uh, yeah, no, this, this is great because the cool thing is you, uh, an adoptable horse used to be limited you know, you buying a horse used to be limited to your neighborhood and right. now there's just no limit to it. So that's what I like about this segment too, is bringing in different kinds of horses and showcasing them to all of the listeners. I know you're doing your thing. Sorry, I'm interrupting no, I'm, you. This I, like, is perfect. I'm, you're describing it. <laughs> I'm super excited to be doing this because it gives other horses, you know, I, I'm in this little bubble of thoroughbreds. Uh, so this is kind of cool to reach out and look at this place. And this place is awesome in Rochester because they don't just do horses. They have all the things. They so do. I'm they do. Yep. And the, the USPCA is the one helping us put this together. So we appreciate their help as well. And did you get some award from them? One of your many awards? You got Oh, one of my many, my one award that I got, yeah, the Right Horse Initiative Trainer of the Year. So we love the, the this organization. They're great. All right. Uh, and then also in the post show, Jamie's going to talk about our trip to Mexico because apparently there were some stories and we didn't get a chance to do them on Friday. So we're going to do that. Yeah, that's post show material. <laughs> You went to Mexico, so anything. Could and be by done. the way, I have a I have a Mexican cold. Yes, <laughs> I have a Mexico cold. It's different than other colds. So um, I also wanted to mention a woman that made the Century Club. We've talked about some people who, partnerships that have made the Century Club over the years. This was in the state of Maine over the weekend. The Dressage Association's annual Summer Breeze Show. Her name name is Jean Murphy Ashton. She's 80 years old, and her horse is 21 years old, so they they 
add up to 101 years old. And she's had this particular horse since she was two years old. So it's been a lifetime with this horse and made this entry club, but there's more to the story. What makes it remarkable is that in 2021, just a couple of years ago, she had a tragic accident while riding a horse. The horse fell over backward on her, landing on her. She Now remember, she was 78 at the time. Recounting the incident, Jean said, I could hear the horse trying to get up with her feet, and then she landed on me again. I knew I had broken something, but I couldn't even move my legs. And that is because she sustained seven broken ribs on one side, six on the other, a fractured pelvis, among other things all from this horse landing on her. So she, in the last two years, she's undergone rehabilitation, and she's back to showing in the saddle at the age of 80. When she was asked about her future in riding, she said, as long as I can get my leg over that horse, I'm riding. Hey, man, three steps up to mediocrity (laughs) is going to be nothing compared to that. Good God. So, I mean, we, you and I have had broken ribs, but I have never had all of them broken on both sides. Oh, my God. I can't even hear. Ellie, I was cringing hearing you talk Mm, about that. That's got to suck. Broken ribs are the worst. (laughs) That's just got to suck. Well, now you can't complain because she's 78 mm. and suffering that amongst other things. So you having one broken rib and sneezing, shut up. I know. All right. let's, uh, Let's do some Daily Winnies. Well, very happy birthday to our auditors, Joy Dorsch, Jessica Ann Gross, Heather Schneider, our neighbor over here, Katie Dixon, and also Emily Bentz. And Emily, of course, is the one that makes the wonderful riding clothes. She was just posted about that again over the weekend. Did you say Heather as well? Yes, I did. Yep. Uh, Heather lives. Yep. She's our neighbor right over a couple of miles from us. We just visited her the other day and all her draft horses. I was wearing my Emily Bentz riding pants this morning. So what are they called again? May, babe? May Babes Equestrian. They are riding pants with built-in underwear, and it's wonderful. It's like the greatest thing ever. So, yeah, there you go. There's your free ad, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Love, love, love. So, happy birthday, and we'll send you a bill later. (laughs) (laughs) That was free. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm pretty excited, Glenn, because y- y'all know I I love my car, which is a little Beetle convertible stick shift, but it's gotten increasingly harder for me to drive because the stick shift, putting it into first gear is very tough. Like, it doesn't go That's in first VW gear. That's a VW thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so by the, I've realized that as I, you know, I had shoulder surgery two years ago and like as I'm shifting into first, it takes like five tries to get it in. And I was realizing that my my shoulder was like aching after I drove. And there's like 47 stop signs taking Lucas to school. So I was like, I can't take it anymore. It hurts all the time. So for the first time in my entire life, I am 45 years old. God, that sounds crazy. I bought my first ever new You're like car. 19 when we started this show. I don't know I how you're going to be for Shut up. <laughs> it's crazy. I, first ever new car at 45 years old. I'm so proud of myself. Thank you very much. I got a Hyundai Tucson and uh, it doesn't have. I assume it's crazy, automatic. It's it's automatic. And let me tell you, it's like a, a pleasure to drive. <laughs> I'm like, I don't mind driving anymore. I used to hate driving. Now I'm like, I, I'll go get now it. Now you can you know? eat um, and you can check your phone and everything I mean, while you drive. 
And I'm gonna wreck this puppy in five we don't minutes. Occur, we like, don't encourage that. Distracted driving <laughs> is like, and this one has the lane assist, so like literally, I don't have to drive. I just get in the car. <laughs> I'm still getting used to the lane assist because we also have our first, the, when we got the uh, little Ford truck, we never had lane assist before. So every time it vibrates, I go, "What's it doing? Why is it?" Doing? <laughs> I know my Beetle is 14 years old. So like seriously, this is oh, like you didn't have a backup camera either. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Back- That's the thing. It's like there's a backup camera in this, and I'm like, I don't trust it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I keep turning around. You'll get <laughs> like, used to that backup camera with the little lines telling you where you can go. You're going to get used to that. Yeah, Chad's quick. like, I turn around and back up, and he's like, hey, right there. Right there. Just look right there. <laughs> Like, yeah, I can't trust it. And then it beeps at every god-awful thing. Something in front of you, something behind you. The other day, I had the – this is the second time it's happened to me, and it scared the crap out of me the second time. We have a very busy intersection down here at the highway we have to go to to get to the barn. And somebody pulled right out in front of me. I mean – and I was maybe doing 30. But yours has it too, I'm sure. It has the automatic shut – break for you and shut the car down if somebody pulls out in front of you. Really? I didn't oh. even know that. I oh, guess. yeah. It just braked for me. I It's the freakiest thing because this car stops itself. Um, and it is the freakiest thing because you don't, you went, I didn't get the brake that hard. I didn't get the brake that fast. You know, I got there, but a car was already stopping. It's crazy. Yours probably has it too. Uh, well, we'll fi- hopefully the- <laughs> not have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the first time that happens. Hey, I got a, something good to t- uh, say about the FEI. <laughs> no, we don't often say good things about the government organization that runs our sports. But there's a new group in the FEI called the Equine Ethics and Wellbeing Commission. I think it started a year or two ago. But they've actually been doing some good things. And one of the things that they just announced they're going to be doing is some of the disciplines have had problems with nose bands being too tight. And the way that stewards would check for that is with their fingers. They would stick their fingers in. And there was no, you know, there, then there was always the arguments with some stewards' fingers are fatter than others. There's a whole controversy over nose bands. So what's happening now is they've come up with a tool that's going to be a measurement tool that they're going to use across all disciplines. So there'll be rule changes coming, uh, I think, next year for as far as how tight nose bands can be to eliminate them being too tight, and they're going to have a certain tool that people get. I don't know what the tool looks like. Uh, but they're constantly looking now. This group has enacted some what's considered controversial things, but for the, they're for the welfare of the horse. So I think we're going to see this group doing some more things, and I think they're taking on the ones that are just blatant and out there and trying to uh, do those. They're also the ones that are probably going to cause the least controversy. Uh, but I really do think, and maybe I'm just being naive, I do think that we're going to see some other rule changes come out of this group that are going to their, – their mission is it has to be for the benefit of the horse because they realize what's happening with with how visual things are in the horse world right now and all the accidents that are happening and horses dying. They And you just – want to treat the horses better on the FEI level. And it has to happen on that level. I appreciate there's an organization uh, about equine well-being. You know, like that's something that so many – and there's a whole lot of sports I would like to point this organization to. You know, because like what is happening is certain disciplines have normalized abuse, you know, and and I don't I don't think it's. And I don't know stop. that all those disciplines are part of the FEI either. So no, you know, I mean, and yeah. but but to normalize the equine's well being is something that I think 
should be at the forefront of all of it, and I'm excited to see where they go. Well, I did read, and we're having Karen on tomorrow for endurance, but they're completely rewriting the entire endurance rulebook. Because, you know, we've discussed the endurance issues at the FEI level over the past number of years, mostly involving a few countries in the Middle East. Uh, but they're completely rewriting how that's done. So cool. hopefully uh, hopefully they'll get something that uh, makes that sport a little safer. Well, Florida-based uh, construction company, this is interesting, and then on the tech side, you know I like everything tech, uh, Printed Farms, it's called. It just finished printing the world's largest 3D printed building in Wellington, Florida. It was a 10,000-square-foot luxury horse barn. It was printed using a, a – it's a cement 3D printer. So instead of laying block – like you'd have at most houses and horse barns down here. Instead of laying block, it's this large, three large, large, large 3D printer that drops cement as it goes along, and it just does rows and rows of cement up up the walls. But it's all automated. You basically, it's computerized. You tell it what you want the walls to look like, what shape. So you know, with concrete block, you're limited as far as making perfect circles and stuff like that. This will do that. This will do anything like that, any shape you want. So uh, they did say that this will withstand Florida's extreme weather. It's rated up to 200 miles an hour. Well, it's basically printed concrete, so it's going to. Um, But it was really cool. I saw the pictures of it. It's neat. Who knows? Maybe this will change how we're building barns. (laughs) What's weird is that, you know, all I can think is what can possibly go wrong? I don't know. (laughs) It probably is more solid than concrete block walls because of the way it's done. Yeah. I don't know that it's cheaper, though, so I don't know. It's, this is in Wellington, so, you know, who knows what this 10,000-square-foot luxury horse barn cost them. Cheaper and Wellington don't go, go together. together. <laughs> Those two are not the same, that is for sure. Did I see a picture that you got a new horse? Well, I did not get a new horse. He is on trial, um, so... You know, I, I've I've tried a few times now unsuccessfully to get a a second string Duke. So Duke is my older gelding. He's now thirty one years old. He's I've had him for a long, long time. I got him year. You two will be in the Century ago. Club soon. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh, but, but yeah, I got him from a listener actually, Betty Faye, like twelve years ago, and that's how long we've been doing this show. It's crazy. Um, so he can't really do the job that he's supposed to do anymore, which is help me train the baby horses. So I will ride him or my assistant will ride him and the baby horses climb all over him that are getting backed for the first couple times or they're taking a racehorse on its first trail ride and he just can't keep up like he can't breathe anyway. Like he's got a paralyzed body. He's got also he's 31. He's got some infirmities. So I've been trying to get a new Duke so he can just hang out and like be groomed and loved and smooched. So I have tried a few times, but now I'm trying this five-year-old paint tubby horse. His name is Billy the Kid. And of course, he came from a listener, sort of um, a, a listener of ours, Mary down in Texas, knew this lady who had this horse. And she's got some life changes happening. And long story short, didn't want to sell him because she wants to just find him a nice place where he'll be loved and used and not abused and all the things. Um, So Mary put her in touch with me. Uh, Thanks, Mary. And so I actually 
they sent the pictures to me and I'm like, actually, he sounds great. Like something I'm interested in. So I went and picked him up this uh, yesterday and brought him home. I went out and tried him and then she came out and saw my farm. I mean, this is like a family member to her. So it's really important. And and it's important to me because it's going to be a family member for me as well. Um, so I went and brought him home. So I've got him on trial for a couple of weeks. And um, as of now, I mean, he What are suffers. all the details? How? He's a five-year-old five paint year old. gelding. He's probably about 14, 3, 15 hands. And he is as wide as he is tall. Yeah, he looks like Scooter at his... Uh... <laughs> he's... He's going to spend some time in the green guard muzzle out in the pasture. That's for sure. Um, bless him. He, and he also was his, his mom loved to give him cookies, 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 all in the pockets and the cookies. And I talked to her about this, so I'm not telling tales here. Like he loves cookies. And the problem is he, to be fair, of, I love cookies too. I know, but you're not a jerk stealing him out of my pocket or her pocket. And so he depends learned, on the kind, uh, <laughs> if you bite my pocket, I'm going to smack you and I won't smack the horse. <laughs> so uh, today I, I was like, we're going to do all of the things. And I realized today that he needs to learn manners and he needs to learn how to lead and not curl around and walk over on top and maul everybody thinking that there's some stuff in his pocket, in my pocket. So I took him out and groomed him and I wanted to have some really cool video of me riding him and look how wonderful this horse is. Not today. Not today, Satan. <laughs> It's <laughs> like we're gonna lead today, and so, so basically, he, you're doing the same thing you do with all the thoroughbreds that come in. Exactly, we've all been fed the, out of their hands. <laughs> but the thoroughbreds are so much more sensitive, so it's definitely um, interesting to me to have. I mean, he's way big; like he's shorter than every horse that I have, but he's also much less reactive and sensitive. So it takes a little bit more of me getting my body language right of like, hey. No, you can't be in my face and taking my ponytail out, you know, and wearing my hat and getting in my pockets and unzipping my zipper. Like, I'll get off me. So it's definitely that was what we did today. And he's starting to meet. I've been putting the other horses next to him in the stalls so he gets to sniff all the horses. He met the filly and he met the other Pinto. But I realized and this is going to have to be a picture. And this is something that I'm really proud of is that we don't see color here at Flyover Farm. At this point, I'm going to describe the color, of course, after I said that, but we, we don't discriminate. I've got a chestnut on the farm right now. These are not all mine, but on the farm, I've got a chestnut, a bay, a buckskin, a black, a gray horse, a brown and white paint, and a black and white paint horse. I mean, that's like everything. <laughs> diversity is not a problem on your no, flyover farm. No, <laughs> diversity is celebrated at flyover farm, okay? <laughs> I'm so excited. I was like, oh, my God, all I need is like a, an appy and a palomino. So if you're around you want to board your horse in my house and you have an appy or palomino, come on. Let's get that picture. But, yeah, I was pretty excited to have all these different colors. You're the same with dogs, too, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I got all the all the colors in the dogs. <laughs> but, yeah, so so he's going to stay on trial, and hopefully I'll be able to pony horses off of him, and he'll be – I mean, he's going to take a while to figure things out, but I figured it at least give me a, a couple weeks to, to make sure he's the right fit because, if you remember, the last horse – I got him feeling good, and then he decided he hated everybody. 
all the horses. He hates horse. He loves people. Hates horses. Mm. So great for this, a pony horse. <laughs> I know, really, really great for to, for training horses. So he, um, this horse. The the unique thing about him is he doesn't need anything. His feet are done. His teeth are done. He's vaccinated. He's healthy. He's not lame. I don't have to do. I don't have to. I don't have to do yeah, anything. You better knock on something. <laughs> He's up to date on everything, which is really cool. So I'm excited to give him a give him a try and and teach him some manners first, you know, because like I said, he's mugged everybody and you know like you go to lead him and he's like, I'm gonna go over there. And then he just goes there and you're water skiing behind him. Like this is where we go. So he got the dually halter today and learned some uh some leading techniques, and I'm really excited to give him a try he, he is very colorful i like it he's he has a great face he is he's very cute and uh like chad actually saw I, him yeah i wouldn't go cute i'd go handsome on his face he's very handsome he's handsome and he's got yeah. a great name his name like paint horse name is billy the kid like that's oh, really? so cool <laughs> that's so cool well that's why he's mugging you all the time <laughs> His name fits. <laughs> He's robbing you all the time. <laughs> robbing you blind. I love it. Well, we go, we, good luck with Billy. You do need somebody. Poor Duke. <laughs> he needs somebody to replace Duke. So Duke Duke's going, yes, break. yes, please work out. <laughs> please, please, God. <laughs> I want to be done. Alone. Leave me alone, woman. <laughs> I've had <But> enough. <laughs> I think Duke has always loved his job, but he just physically can't do it anymore. So I just want, I just want to shower him with all the love and attention and affection and smooches and all the things. And, you know, I'll still hop on him and walk him around. Actually, what he's really good at now, Duke, is he is really good when I hop on him and I take him out to the yard and I just let him graze. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, that's cool. I'm good here. Thank you. So (laughs) riding and grazing. Good luck with that. Cosequin ASU joint and hoof fillets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com. Coming up, our first guest is Dr. Pamela Reband. She's author of Three Steps Up to Mediocrity. And we're going to talk to her about that. I think a lot of our audience can relate to Dr. Reband. Well, hi, Pamela. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to be here. So this book, uh, we were talking about it before the show. I think just reading about your book, about 50% of our audience will relate directly to what your book is about. I've been shocked by the messages I've gotten. I had no idea so many people had gone through what I had gone through. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. What had you gone through to lead to this book? And as we said, the book is Three Steps Up to Mediocrity. And I said when we were introducing at the beginning of the show that I could change that a thousand steps to mediocrity, and that describes my life. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, whether it's a thousand steps or the same three steps over and over again probably doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm older. Uh, my mama said I didn't have to tell anyone exactly how old, but we'll just say older and retired. And I started to have some uh, physical problems. And then my husband had serious physical problems that led to me not riding for two years. You have to understand, I've been riding since the 1960s. And to go two years without riding was was quite an event. But when I got a chance to go back to riding, I discovered I wasn't any good. 
And I, not only was I not any good, I wasn't stable. And so I started restricting what I was doing. Instead of taking the hard trail, I'd take the medium trail. And the more I didn't do things, the more afraid I became of doing what I could. Until finally, one day, I was riding in my front yard on an absolutely flat and level piece of ground, and I had the almost inevitable horse accident. I didn't get seriously injured. I tore a rotator cuff and bruised a lot of bones, but I was in a lot of pain. And from that moment on, I was petrified to ride. I got on a horse one more time, my grandchildren's horse. He stubbed a toe 50 feet into the ride, and I panicked, had to come apart. And from that moment on, trying to go up those three purple plastic steps of my mounting block led to me vomiting uncontrollably in the middle of my round pen. And that's what happened. Wow. But I was too ashamed to tell anyone about it. I, I, I've been a lifelong rider. My best friend, I, I heard her once say to somebody, you got to understand if you're following Pam, I've seen her do stupid stuff on a horse. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I'm that person. <laughs> and, and I still thought of myself as that person, but now I wasn't that person anymore. What, 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 what? And I know you've had a lot of time to think about it. You wrote a book about this journey. But if we take a look back, you're also a physician, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So if you take a look back now, um, what what was the thing that set that off? Well, that was never there before. Was it? And I've been, you know, I was sick the last couple of years, too, and had some operations and stuff. Was it going through all of that with your husband and yourself that triggered that, that uh, I need to live thing? <laughs> Well, it was it was the fact that I, uh, when I went through the two years with with Greg, that that he wasn't that I didn't ride. When I came back to riding, I discovered physical problems that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, my I have spinal stenosis in a couple of places, and what that means is the longer I ride, the more my legs become either painful or weak or numb. And and so when you go up a bank and you count on picking yourself up and putting yourself over your horse's shoulders, say, a little bit, all of a sudden my legs wouldn't hold me. And I consulted a bunch of different other doctors and, and they basically said, yeah, horse people make compensatory mechanisms as they age and as this kind of problem starts slowly, your body compensates and you don't notice it. Well, but after two years off... Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And as a doctor, I didn't know it. Uh, you know, but they said after two years off now, those muscles that were compensating for your problems, they have no strength anymore because you haven't been using them. Every and, rider out there right now, including Jamie, is sitting there going, How much am I compensating for? This? My body's <laughs> doing this by itself and I'm not I'm not noticing. <laughs> we're all we're all compensating in one way or another, for one thing or another. But uh it it, it I went to several experts, and the best anyone said was they gave me about a 10% chance of ever getting back to it. And that's with physical therapy and exercise and everything. So I was just devastated. I mean, this is my life. This is who I am. It's my defining thing. I'd had a career my whole life looking forward to retirement when I could ride, and I couldn't ride. Mm. <laughs> so it was, it was absolutely horrible. And added to that was the shame. I mean, how do I tell my childhood friend whose father put me on my first horse and who taught me to ride 
I can't ride with her anymore because I'm afraid. You know, it was, I was just too ashamed to admit to the very people who eventually helped me. So how did you, how did you fix it? Well, or do we need to read the book to find out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just assume you wrote the book, you read the book because I'd like to sell more copies, but otherwise, (laughs) um, I, 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 I sold the horse that I fell with. And, and when I described fall, Skeeter was her name. She was a lovely mare. She was a great endurance mare, but I'm a very large woman. Skeeter was barely big enough to carry me when I was fit and, and putting myself where I needed to be and, and helping her. The day she fell, she tripped on her left knee. I went up onto her neck because I was off balance and didn't, wasn't able to hold myself where I needed to be. And instead of letting go, I grabbed her behind the ears and bulldogged her down on top of me. Um, not something I recommend. It's quite painful. But I sold her. I couldn't face her at all anymore. Uh, and went out and hunted for a new endurance horse, something that would be big and stable and strong and good. And so instead, I bought a 14 three-hand but perfectly built uh, little little gelding who had what looked to be a great deal of energy. It didn't look any safer than a half broke. Because <laughs> that's what cult. we do. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm, I'm a horsewoman, right? I can handle this, even though I can't at this point get up on the mounting block. And I, I, now I'm, I'm faced with this horse I'm terrified of. I own him. I own my grandkids' horse that I'm absolutely terrified to mount. But I'm otherwise, I mean, it's Charlie. He's lovely, you know, and a retired horse. So I needed a trainer for the horse that was kind of crazy. And a friend of mine recommended uh, Scott McGregor to ride him while I I thought I was going to get Scott to ride Shiloh while I was uh, learning to ride again on Charlie. Scott came over, rode him a couple of times, said, yeah, he's got potential. I'll be glad to come do it. And Scott was a, a real shock to me. I've known Scott for 40 years. The last time I had seen him physically was more than 20 years ago. And I was still picturing that the guy who would show up at my house was this 25-year-old young <laughs> trainer. And what got out of his car was grandfather. <laughs> and boy, did I feel old. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> but because of that... I was able, I think, to finally tell Scott what was really wrong. Had he been that 25-year-old young trainer, I don't think I would have had the courage to how, say. How much of the I'm healing sorry. process began by you saying the words to, to Scott? I think that's, that is the beginning of it. Had I not done that, there would be no book. Uh, Shiloh would have been sold, and that would be done. But, but being willing to say to Scott, here's my real problem. It's and like healing anything else, right? Whether it's it really addiction is. or whatever, right? It's you have to admit it. You have to admit it to the people that can help you. And and the the second half of that is Scott saying to me, "Okay, I've helped others. I can do that." I, I, that shocked me. I had no idea he had ever faced anyone with this problem before. And I was picturing, you know, that one day he would throw me on the horse and lead me around like a pony and that 
after that, I'd be on my own. And it turns out he knew very well that he was committing to more than a year-long process. Well, you're just Jamie will attest to this. You know, we have we have a private space on Facebook where our super fans can can talk to each other. This is very common. Um, you know, it's just it's very common. So, why three steps up to mediocrity? Why the title? Well, I'm I'm an endurance rider. It's incredibly arrogant of me to call myself an endurance rider. I've never been a good endurance <laughs> rider. So you're a mediocre rider. endurance rider. <laughs> I am on my best day. I am magnificently mediocre. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, the American Endurance Ride Conference, their motto is to finish is to win. I embody that like you would not believe, okay? It's like the days I finish the ride, I am higher than a kite happier than I have been any other time other than when I gave birth. And, you know, so it's, it's, I just wanted to get back oh, to endurance. Riding. We need t-shirts, Pam, that say, uh, what was the statement again? Magnificently mediocre. That's a t-shirt yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I have thought about donating some books to endurance ride for a Mr. Mediocrity award for the person who finishes right in the middle. There you go. Perfect. You know, <laughs> They give a they give a turtle award to the person who finishes last, and quite frankly, my house could be decorated in turtle motif. I have lots of them, uh, and they give up, of course, a first place award to the winner. But they don't just give so you to know, it, in the middle in eventing, we have the DFL award, which is if you finish, you didn't get eliminated. It's dead freaking last. <laughs> <laughs> But and see, I, I was thinking it was perhaps do, did not fall. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. In, Same thing. <laughs> in showing or in life, we're all in the mediocre. There's only 10% or 5% at the top. There's another 10% or 5% that are way at the bottom. And then the rest of us are just, you know, moderately mediocre. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that's where pretty much That's kind of depressing falls. when I say it that way, though, when you think of it. <laughs> just, oh, no, well, it's yeah. not. It means you have lots of company. <laughs> That's true. You're right in the middle there. I got to tell you, I had a fall with my, and I haven't talked about this on the show at all, um, Glenn, but remember when I had the fall with my Andalusian, he had picked mm. up a canner, tripped and fell and I vaulted off of him. Didn't get hurt, fortunately, thank God, but I've been pretty nervous to canner since then. Of course, yeah, Glenn but, I mean, knows you what You almost took yourself out on the fence. That was just not a... Small fall. No, like it was like the horse <laughs> fell, somersaulted, I vaulted off. It was and, and so since then I've been afraid to canter. And what I didn't tell you, Glenn, is that remember when I was at the movement with Monty and I get up on his his horse and he's like, Okay, pick up a canner around the round pen. Go faster, 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 faster. That's the first time I cantered since oh, I my horse know. fell. Wow, you hit that very well. <laughs> well, you, when Monty Roberts tells you to do something, you freaking pull up your boots and do it. And since then, I've cantered every horse. Like, he broke If me. it was Pam, she would have just thrown up off the side of the horse. <laughs> yeah, been, yeah he, he, that'd been the last time he would have asked that of me. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, right. There's something people find off-putting about you puking. I just don't understand if that's what it is. Uh, you know? That's the best line of the day. It is. I need to take that one out of the Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, and, but this is the Russians have a saying, and what happened to you and to I and to so many other people fits it quite well if you think of it. They say that a, a cat that steps on a hot stove will never step on another one, but he'll never know the joy 
of sleeping on a cold stove again either. Mm. And we get afraid of something because something bad happened, maybe not even anything horrible. But then we don't we limit ourselves and we, we cut that out of our out of our vocabulary. We cut that out of what we're gonna do. Because that's easy. Cut cantering. Because it's easy just to not do it than to face and that first, oh my gosh. And and most of us don't have Monty Roberts telling us to go faster. Um, <laughs> no. You know, I had Scott McGregor lead me, but that's how he did it. He did it by challenging what I considered my boundaries. I, I had no idea how hard this man worked. I mean, to me, he was just inviting me out on some trail rides and, with and customers. He was challenging your mental, your body knew how to do all this. He was, yeah. It was all mental in this case. Right. Well, it wasn't all mental because I did have to develop my muscles yes, back you had and learn how to compensate with the yep. legs. But it, you're right. It, he was challenging me mentally and, and he was spending, and I didn't find any of this out, by the way, until he wrote the afterword for the book. The book is written without this knowledge, okay, <laughs> that he was thinking and plotting what he would do that day that would be just outside my comfort zone. And he was sweating bullets that he would stretch me too far and something bad would happen because he figured, and I think he figured right, it, that if something bad happened, I would never ride again. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that the fact that I would never ride again would have bothered him more than if he'd broken a leg. All right, we're going to leave it at that because I want people to read the book. So okay. uh, it's three steps up to mediocrity. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well. Um, I you. assume you can find it on Amazon. Any place else that you want to mention? Actually, Amazon's the only place. It's self-published and it's published on Amazon. So there's a Kindle and a paperback version both. It's Pamela Reband, R-E-B-A-N-D, three steps up to mediocrity. Thanks you, Pamela, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it too. Before we get to our next guest, this podcast is sponsored by Purina Animal Nutrition with three research-backed ration balancers to fill nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Enrich Plus delivers a concentrated source of protein, vitamins, and minerals without unnecessary calories. Enrich Plus Senior features ActiveAge prebiotic technology and Outlast supplement for aging easy keepers. Omega Match is rich in omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin E, great for horses without access to green grass find a ration balancer for your horses at purinamills.com slash ration balancers or visit your local feed store coming up next our first of many we hope adoptable horses of the week and we have lauren joining us she's stable manager at lollipop farm i love that lollipop farm it's a humane society of greater rochester and she's going to talk to us about a horse that they have for up for adoption so if you're up that way take a listen Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I am just in love with what I'm seeing about Lollipop Farm, which is like the coolest name ever. Lollipop <laughs> Farm is, you're the Humane Society of Greater Rochester. Yeah? Yes. Yes. We are a full humane society. We have animals from cats to dogs down to snakes and emus and horses. <laughs> I mean, you have everything, but what I was seeing here, you guys have been around since 1873, and yes. you have 115 staff members, 800 volunteers, and 10,000 mm -hmm. animals every year? 
Yeah, this is actually our 150th um, anniversary this year. So we've been celebrating. (laughs) I didn't even know that that was like that they, I mean, that's like black beauty times when the yes. animals started becoming important. <laughs> yes. It, um, and we, our horses got started actually with um, helping the donkeys and mules and horses. Um, we have the Erie Canal that runs through. So that was one of the first things that they did was help those um, donkeys and horses that were pulling the boats along the Erie Canal. Oh my God. Oh. I've been to the Erie yeah. Canal. That's a long time ago they were doing that. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> So I'm looking on your website at Pets yeah. for Adoption, which is very dangerous for me. I'm really yes. glad I don't live close to you. But you yeah, have, it's- <laughs> oh, you've got dogs, cats, rabbits, small animals, which I had to click on, which includes guinea pigs and rats, birds, reptiles, yep. farm yes. animals, roosters, horses, donkeys. What? Is there anything else say no to? <laughs> um, wildlife. That is probably the only thing is we're not um, licensed for wildlife, even though we do get people who bring them in, but we transfer so no transfer s- them out. No skunks <laughs> at Lollipop Farm? No, no. no. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I found this beautiful big cat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Malawian. It's a, you need yeah. a strike down its back. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, that's going to be a hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> so what what are what are some of the things you guys what's a day in the life at Lollipop Farm? Well, for for the horses, um, you know, mostly it's routine care. We get in horses of all different breeds. Um, we do have a lot of thoroughbreds. We are accredited through the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Um, we do see them because we are close to Finger Lakes Racetrack. Um, but we also get in lots of other horses, and we are an ASPCA right horse adoption partner. Um, so our typical day really is a lot of horse care, a lot of cleaning, um, taking care of these animals, and also training. Uh, we have a huge training arena. Um, we do a lot of work with these horses and try to make them more adaptable um, for the community. So it really is a lot of care, but um, we call it um, when we get things in like an emergency vet visit or a sudden admission, uh, we always say it's never a dull day at the pop. Um, So (sighs) things can randomly pop up. uh, But for the most part, it's really out there being with those horses, taking care of those horses and interacting with the public. We have people who can walk down our farm path and see the animals. So a lot of it is also education and answering people's questions. It is really beautiful looking at the pictures of Thank Cooper, you. who we're going to highlight in, the, in a moment. I mean, it's very yes. picturesque, gorgeous facility. Yes. And uh, how did you become involved with them before we get to Cooper? Um, Actually, I grew up across the street from Lollipop Farm. Oh, wow. So I was always um, going over there. Uh, and then actually my high school and senior year, I did an internship um, directly with the horses And I kind of knew that's always what I wanted to do. Um, I went to college. I grew up riding, went to college for horses at Casanova, worked at a hunter jumper barn after and kind of got burnt out um, and ended up doing corporate America for about 10 years. And then one day I just was like, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. This has been a dream of mine to work with rescue horses. So I quit my job and applied to Lollipop Farm. Um, And that was back in 2015. And I have been with them ever since. Oh, that's such a cool story. Well, tell us about Cooper. 
Oh, Cooper. So Cooper is 10 years old. Um, he is an Appaloosa quarter horse cross. Um, he is a gelding and he is not rideable. Um, unfortunately, back a few years ago, Cooper went out to training um, and injured his stifle pretty badly in some deep mud. So he is all healed now, um, but he cannot be ridden. He is a very, very sweet boy. Good manners, great for the vet, great for the farrier, good with other horses and turnout, and he is gorgeous. Uh, his coloring is just beyond one, dang belief. It, this is one color I didn't have. No, I was okay. thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's yeah. kind of a red roan yeah. spotted kind of looking yeah. That big, yeah. wide, intelligent forehead. Like, this would be a horse that could go do some therapy. Does he have the demeanor yeah. for a bunch of people around him on the ground? He's been very good with people on the ground. Um, he is scared of mud, which we don't blame him for, um, you know. So, but, and he loves his buddies. Uh, but he's a very good boy. And I think if he had a home with people just to love and pay attention, he would make a great family horse. Uh, we have had a lot of inquiries. And unfortunately, I think people just see his age because most of the inquiries have been for riding. Um, and just to stress, Cooper is not rideable. He can't do pony rides, um, anything like that. But he would be a wonderful horse to maybe do some groundwork with um, in hand classes. He actually used to show in halter. So he has that experience. So if there's somebody out there that wants a really sweet boy, easy keeper, and maybe wants to do some in-hand stuff, Cooper would be the perfect horse for them. Perfect. He's 10 years old. He's probably yeah. what, 14, two, something like that. I actually I sticked him. He is uh, 15 hands. 15 hands. Perfect yep. size. Awesome. Yes. Well, how do people find out more about adopting Cooper? Yeah, so they can go straight to our website. Um, it's lollipop.org, and it's lollipop with a Y, not an I, um, and they can learn more about him. They can also go to myrighthorse.org um, and learn more about him, or they're free to send us an email, equine at lollipop.org. I'd be happy to tell them more about Cooper. Fantastic, you guys. So let's find Cooper a home. Yes. And uh, we will talk to you again next Monday. And yes. we're going to highlight yes. an, another horse. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Also, I would like to put in an application for Dipper, who is a gecko. <laughs> you know what? I want to put an application in for her driveway. The pictures where you took pictures of Cooper, your driveway is amazing with those flowering trees. It's oh, my a, gosh. Oh my I have a very good friend who is an actual professional uh, horse photographer. Her name is Maria Spinelli. She actually does photography, if anybody wanted to check her out. And she was gracious enough and to come out just at the right time because those flowers don't last long. And oh she got gosh. some amazing pictures. This looks like the picture-perfect New England farm. It really does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining Lollipop. us. org. Thank you so much for joining yes. us. And we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you guys so much. Well, that was fun. I hope that we do get some of these horses adopted. I know that on the Retired Racehorse Radio Show, they've had a great success with that. Oh, my gosh. Every week, we would highlight one of the new vocations horses, and it was gone the next week. And it's so fun to be able to follow up with the rescue and see what happens. And again, I love that we're letting people know about the horses that could potentially be in their neighborhood that need homes. Well, and, you know, I hope that uh, you're, you don't find this segment boring if they're not in your neighborhood, because, I, you know, I, I feel 
feel it's part of our mission here too to to help horses, right? That's what Jamie does off the air. She does that as well, and it's just just a way that we can extend that out a little bit more to the other corners of the country. And just finding out like what, like that place has been in business for a hundred and fifty years. <laughs> I had no idea that things like that existed a hundred fifty years Lollipop ago. Farm, so. I have to admit, is one of the coolest names for a farm. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. It's great. So I, I'm just interested in you know finding out more about all of these different rescues and how they all function and work. It's so cool. Well, that's it for today. Auditors, hold on. Jamie's going to talk a little bit about her trip, and then I have to also clarify something that was said on Friday that apparently caused commotion. So I will do that in the post-show as well. Uh, We will have the endurance episode with Karen tomorrow, and then we have, I believe it's the NRHA. We have the Rainers on Thursday. Now remember, if you want to hear the post-show, how do they become an auditor? Just go to horsesinthemorning.com, click on the auditor banner, and for as little as $3 a month, you too can join the party perfect that's it we'll see you all in the next couple of days right after i plug in the sound again because <laughs> no i was like spain I'm gonna leave this in yeah. because i don't feel like doing another cut but there we go there you go there's the end of the show <laughs> how many of these have we done